You're listening to the Living Presence Podcast, exploring faith, meeting the world, from East Gwillimbury, Ontario. Hello and welcome to the Living Presence Podcast for Sunday, October 28th. My name is Brianne Swan, and I am the Community Minister with the Living Presence Ministry, which is an emergent community ministry of the United Church of Canada in East Gwillimbury, which sits on the traditional territory of the Chippewa of Georgina Island First Nation. I've just returned home from two weeks away in Winnipeg, where I attend ministry classes at the Center for Christian Studies. If you listened to last week's episode, you would have heard how much I was struggling with a cold that eventually turned into pre-pneumonia and required a visit to the doctor. Sometimes Western medicine is a wonderful thing. A round of antibiotics and an inhaler later, I am on the mend and starting to feel much better, although my voice is not feeling exactly where I'd like it to, to be recording an hour-long episode. Last Monday, municipalities across Ontario were holding elections for mayors, councillors, and school trustees. Now, normally, a lot of people don't pay very close attention to the school trustee elections. I don't think I started paying attention to trustee elections until I actually had children myself. But in East Gwillimbury, the race for English public trustee with the York Region Public School Board received more attention than it might have otherwise in another election cycle. It is a long, drawn-out story but also one that should never have happened in the first place. So I will do my best to condense it all for you. There were two candidates for trustee, Lena Singh, who lives in East Gwillimbury, and Elizabeth Terrell Tracy, who lives in Stouffville. On September 24th, after an all-candidates meeting where Lena described her upbringing in Guyana, Elizabeth began posting comments on public Facebook groups, such as, I want to inform people, just so they know, that Miss Singh was born in Guyana. You are backing somebody not born in Canada. Born in a village, raised in a village, you deserve to know the truth. She also started sending out personal messages to people publicly supporting Lena. Go to the group, she said, and say the truth. Lena Singh was born and raised in Guyana. People should know the truth. We need a trustee that was born in Canada. Crime is prevalent across Guyana. Assaults, break-ins, armed robberies, pickpocketing, purse snatching... Theft from cars, carjackings are common. The messages go on, and there are many. Uh, 
Now, obviously, people were pretty outraged by the whole thing. I mean, somebody running for trustee in a school board that is already struggling with intercultural and racism issues saying such obviously xenophobic remarks is completely unacceptable. Elizabeth's response was that her Facebook account was hacked. She also said she'd left her account open on a public computer and that her passwords are easy. When asked by a local reporter for comment, Elizabeth said, Reporting on Facebook drama is not important to me. You should be reporting on something important. And even though she claimed her Facebook had been hacked, Elizabeth also sent Lena a sort of sorry-not-sorry email. Hi, Lena. Sorry if you took my comments the wrong way. I just didn't know if you knew that you have to be a Canadian citizen as a qualification to become an elected trustee. You can clarify your candidacy with the town and supply them your original papers to verify that you qualify to be a candidate. The letter goes on, but I will stop it there because a reasonable person would assume that Lena's eligibility, like any candidate's eligibility, would have been verified when she filed her candidacy papers in the first place. For Elizabeth to imply that it was Lena's responsibility to clear up anything resulting from her comments was completely outrageous. When a local reporter asked why Elizabeth was apologizing, she responded, I was trying to be the better person but now she's a victim of racism, so she's doing great. And then when asked to clarify why Lena was doing great because she was a victim of racism, Elizabeth responded that it was all free publicity. If you check out our show notes, I will link some news articles that go into much further detail about the xenophobic rants, as well as a blog post from Living Presence Ministry, this post contains links for people to assess the qualifications of each candidate. You can make your own decision about which candidate seemed more qualified, even though I think the answer is pretty obvious. And yet, after the votes were counted, guess who won? Lena Singh had... 1,989 votes, and Elizabeth Terrell Tracy had 2,625. Is it actually possible that 2,625 people in East Gwillimbury don't care that the person representing them at the school board says and thinks such horrifying things? Is it apathy? Is it that some people hadn't really looked at either platform and just picked the most Canadian-sounding name? Whatever the hell that means. Or is it possible that the majority of the people who voted for trustee actually align with Elizabeth Terrell Tracy's views and just don't articulate them publicly? 
The responses on social media resulting from Elizabeth's comments overwhelmingly condemned the nativist tone. So who are these 2,625 people who cast a ballot marked with her name? So yeah, people were upset. And they started writing the school board. CBC started calling the school board. And so did our regional news source. And then Thursday we received the news that Elizabeth had decided to step down. I have no idea if the school board asked her to do this or if she really did so completely voluntarily. For many, this felt like a victory. But then on Friday, word got out that Elizabeth has claimed that she didn't sign the letter and may not be stepping down at all. It's confusing, right? The statements from Elizabeth and the school board can also be found on the show notes for this episode. But at the moment, we don't really know what's going to happen with the role of trustee for East Gwilinbury and Stouffville. But that's not even the most pressing issue anymore. Because regardless of who ends up sitting on the school board, the fact remains that Thousands of people voted for this woman. She was democratically elected. And in East Willembury, she was elected in a community where she barely even campaigned. Nobody I've spoken with received any of her literature, and I didn't see a single Elizabeth Terrell Tracy sign through the entire election process. And yet people voted for her. This story isn't about Elizabeth. It's certainly not about Lena. It's about how thousands of people in two different municipalities made a very important decision with some massively real consequences. There are many who believe that there is no place for religion in politics and vice versa. But from a Christian perspective, the crucifixion was a political act. There may be no room for partisanship, but the faith I practice is a political faith with much to say about nativism, racism, sexism, imperialism, and so many other isms. Because of my role within the East Willembury community, I did not endorse any of the candidates. I didn't put out any long signs. I didn't do any campaigning. But I have no problem saying that this, this is bullshit. I am disappointed in a lot of people right now. Disappointed and very angry. I also have two children within the York Region Public School Board, and I am appalled that their educational interests and the educational interests of their friends, many of whom were not born in Canada, have been entrusted to somebody capable of making such anti-immigrant statements in a public forum. So once more, for the folks in the back, what happened this week is wrong, and we are called to name it. Name it and figure out what to do about it, and not lose sight of what the real issues are. And that's challenging because they are more hidden. But it is important 
not to become distracted by the drama. On this week's show, we'll be talking about mountains. With a reflection previously offered to the Queensville Holland Landing United Church congregation earlier in the fall. Our second reading will be a piece by American hymn writer Carolyn McDade, although you may recognize the voice behind the microphone. We will have music from Canadian singer songwriter Jessica Alisari and some time for prayer in order to hold those affected by the shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh yesterday. But first, we have a song by one of my favorite groups we've been able to feature on this podcast, American R&B band Agency. This is their song, Senses of Insecurity, from their album, Resist. You can find their music by visiting our show notes or on Facebook at The World of Agency. I couldn't tell from fiction or if my dream was true and The only sure prediction in this whole world was you I found my senses lost I found my senses lost I touched your features since they had love and death a cost The senses feel me Is lost. I found my senses lost. I found my senses lost. I found my senses lost. A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verses 14 to 18. Still later, as the eleven were eating supper, he appeared and took them to task most severely for their stubborn unbelief, refusing to believe those who had seen him raised up. And then he said, Go into the world. Go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. 
Whoever believes and is baptized is saved, and whoever refuses to believe is damned. These are some of the signs that will accompany believers. They will throw out demons in my name, and they will speak in new tongues, and they will take snakes in their hands, and they will drink poison and not be hurt, and they will lay hands on the sick and make them well. As I mentioned earlier, this reflection was originally offered to Queensville Holland Landing United Church. At the time, they were celebrating Mountain Sunday as part of the season of creation, which is a newly envisioned liturgical season within many churches around the world. I grew up about two hours north of Toronto, near a small village called Coldwater. Coldwater is about 20 minutes west of Aurelia, or 30 minutes north of Barrie, but for listeners who are from central Ontario and are skiers, you may have a clearer understanding of where I lived if I tell you I grew up with a view of Mount St. Louis from my bedroom window. My family's farm was in the valley along the Coldwater River. But my school, my school was in Moonstone, which was way at the top of the escarpment. And in nice weather, I would ride the four kilometers to school uphill, and it was literally four kilometers uphill the entire way. It took about half an hour, but man, it felt like an accomplishment. When I pulled into the school driveway, all sweaty and gross, I felt like Rocky Balboa in one of the greatest montages of cinematic history, when he's training to fight the Russian boxer Drago and skips out on the KGB to run up a mountain. This is also the movie where Rocky single-handedly ended the Cold War, but that's a topic for another episode. So it took half an hour to get to school, but only about 10 minutes to get home. No pedaling, trying to stay under the speed limit and being careful how you brake in case you go flying over the handlebars. And for the first 16 years of my life, that escarpment was the closest I had ever been to a mountain. But then I went to live in Germany for a few months, in the town of Heidelberg, which is a wine region in the middle of a mountain range. And these were real mountains, and they were stunning. They were an older mountain range, though, and much of them were covered in vineyards. We'd take day trips and leisurely hikes to the top. We'd look out and see the Neckar River and the Altabruca, the old bridge. These were not insurmountable mountains. Now my husband, Jason, grew up in rural Saskatchewan, just south of Saskatoon. And this area of the world is about as far away from mountains as you can get without living in a quarry. So after Jason finished university, he did what many good prairie kids did at the time, 
and left to set out for Alberta. Jason lived in Canmore for eight years, smack in the middle of the Rockies. About nine years ago, shortly after we started dating, Jason took me to visit friends, and I will never forget approaching those mountains as they seemed to grow on the horizon. They grew and grew until... Well, we were in them. They were all around, and I was... I felt, I felt so tiny. There is a humility that comes from standing alongside something so majestic and so beautiful. It took my breath away. There is a psalm in the Hebrew scriptures which sings, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know indeed. I remember looking up towards the sky and thinking to myself, Oh yes, God is here. I love nature and often feel God in the earth and the trees more easily than in a sanctuary. Grizzly bears and wolves, elk, eagles, spruce trees. This was all wilderness at its Canadiana best. God is here. Mountains hold a special place in scripture. Mount Ararat, where Noah lands his ark after the flood. Moses receives the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. And the transfiguration of Jesus happens on a mountain. There is a significance to the characters finding themselves at the precipice of their narratives while on the literal precipice of a mountain peak. In our reading today, we are meeting Jesus and the eleven remaining disciples almost immediately after the resurrection. Now this passage is pretty much the ending to the entire book of Mark, but it wasn't intended to be. Mark was the first gospel to be written, about 40 years after Jesus' death. And he's also the only gospel writer who maybe, possibly, had even met Jesus. And this would have been as a boy. Scholarly consensus is that the section of Mark's gospel which we read today was added later because, well, the way that Mark left his version of events was just wholly unsatisfying. Listen to the original ending. Go. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So the women went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Amen. Wait, what? That's it? It's like Star Wars ending with Vader throwing the Emperor in the reactor chute or Harry Potter ending in the Forbidden Forest after Voldemort hurls the killing curse. If a hero falls in the forest, and nobody is around to carry on the work, have they made a sound? Decades after Mark finished his gospel, somebody else wrote a bit about Mary Magdalene finding the tomb empty, and then nobody believing her, 
and two more come across Jesus on a road and nobody believes them. And then we come to our reading from today and Jesus is super annoyed that the disciples haven't believed what they'd heard about Jesus. At least the writer got the tone right. Mark's Jesus spends an awful lot of time being annoyed. But still, he has instructions. Go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole of creation. The other synoptic gospels, Matthew and Luke, have their own version of the Great Commissioning. In fact, in Matthew, the instruction to go and make disciples happens on a mountain. It is the disciples' precipice. Because this is dangerous work. They have already witnessed what it means to go out and proclaim good news to the oppressed and hope to the broken. And yet, that is what they are called to do, and what we are called to do, and where we are called to be called out into the wilderness. God is here. Wilderness. Just as there is much talk of mountains in scripture, there is also much talk of wilderness. But we're not talking the Canadian kitsch version of wilderness from Roots clothing commercials. This is not like the romanticized version of Canadian wilderness, moose and buffalo plaid vests with hipster beards and fuzzy toques, rocky mountains. Jesus didn't spend 40 days in the wilderness trekking around with a canoe and an MEC backpack. A better word for the wilderness of the scriptures might be wildness where life is not tamed by the norms of civility, where the unknown abounds, and where hunger is felt not only in the stomach, but also in the heart, where the mountains to be conquered are of faith and of spirit. God can live in the doubt. God is here too. And this is where Jesus chooses to be. Jesus is always in the wildness. Go out, he says, and proclaim the good news to the people who need to hear it most, who need to be shown it most. Feed them, love them with an aching love that never ceases. Reverend Doug Norris is the minister at my home congregation, Rosedale United Church in Toronto. And he often says things I find quite profound. But a couple of years ago, he preached the following message. And I share it with you now. There is really only one story in the Bible. Now, this may seem like a shock. I mean, there's really rather a lot of pages in the Bible. But there is really only one story and it is a story in four parts, and it goes like this. We are so gloriously alive, and we are so weepingly lost. And yet, an aching love rolls on, refuses not to go on, 
And again, we are so gloriously alive. I am going to be singing about this aching love in a little while. But some of the words are worth hearing now. Long before a chain was forged from the hillside, long before a voice uttered freedom's cry, as we wrap our healing arms to hold what her arms held, this ancient love and this aching love rolls on. And the reason it moves on? We are not the only ones moving it along. The chain may be forged from the mountain, but we can use that chain to climb it and shout from the precipice, God is here. We are here. Come with us and let us climb this mountain together.
mountain and I turn around And if you see my reflection in snow-covered Nailed from a tree 
Divine Parent, God of all creation, God of mercy, Benevolent One, your children are crying out to you. Hear our prayers. We ask for you to hold the families, the friends, the loved ones, and the community of those who were killed and injured in the attack on the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. We lament the violence and condemn the anti-Semitism. We long for peace in the land, and yet we continue to witness the violence. Blessed One, fill our hearts and minds with your design. Let your vision for us become our vision as well. There is so much pain. Turn the pain into a balm of healing. Come now, faithful one and use us as instruments of new life with joy, happiness, and peace. Let us be peace. Let us be love. Remove all obstacles that cause us to stumble. Open our eyes so we can see each other as you see us. Open our ears so we can hear each other as you listen to us. Open our minds so we can know each other as you know us. And open our hearts so we can receive each other as you receive us. We yearn for this as your beloved yearned also. And pray for the day when this violence and this hatred lives no more.
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week where we will be exploring the story of Ruth and Naomi in the Hebrew Scriptures, a story of devotion and of survival. Have a great and safe Halloween. Perhaps save me the Reese's peanut butter cups. And please, please keep the community of the Tree of Life Synagogue in your hearts and your prayers. We will see you next week. This podcast is brought to you by the Living Presence Ministry, a community ministry of the United Church of Canada. You can find us online at www.livingpresenceministry.org.